Hello everyone this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn Educate Discover On this podcast we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes how do they go about exploring it further Now on today's episode we are going to be talking about political campaign management. Yes, something very very different from what we covered so far in this podcast. This is going to be basically about what is the job of someone who manages the campaign of someone who's running for office. So to help us understand what this job is actually like, our guest today is Malcolm Phelan and he's in the middle of running his second campaign right now. and i will let him describe exactly what he's doing and what his job is but what's really interesting about his background is that he doesn't have any background in politics before he got into politics he was in fact doing some very different things he was in consulting for a while he was an associate with boston consulting group he was doing sales strategy and operations at dropbox for some time and then he was doing business development at a company called webflow so yes some very different things and i think today's discussion is going to be very interesting for anyone who has an interest in politics but also for someone who has an interest in just doing something very entrepreneurial something which gives you exposure to a lot of very different skill sets in a very short period of time so i hope you enjoy this discussion and with that let's welcome malcolm Malcolm. Hi Sonali. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. No, of course. Thank you so much for making the time. You're in the middle of a really crazy campaign. Uh so I'm excited to talk to you about this. I should warn you that I have absolutely no idea about politics overall in general, so you will get a lot of questions from me. Absolutely. I'm actually I'm relatively new to this world myself. Uh I volunteered in the past, but this is now full time for me so i'm still somewhat new myself yeah and actually you bring up a very good point i was looking at your profile and you were doing very different things before you got into politics you were at dropbox doing sales strategy and operations for some time you were in consulting for a while so how did this transition to politics happen for you ah uh, so i was always interested in politics from uh, from a pretty early age Uh, a bunch of friends and I watched the entire show The West Wing in our senior year of college mm-hmm. and for anyone who hasn't seen that show it is just it's fantastic <laughs> um but it was uh, I wouldn't say life changing but definitely definitely had a big impact on what I wanted to do um so uh, from that kind of point forward I was volunteering on political campaigns doing a couple months here and there um I started as a speechwriter and then I worked you know in um on the Obama campaign for a little bit um kind of you know just volunteered here and there in between kind of my quote unquote real jobs I see. Uh, but I knew yeah so I knew that I wanted to always go back to this eventually so now after our, the recent 2016 election I decided to jump in and do it full time I see you yeah, about two follow up questions there one what exactly is it about politics that attracts you to it I mean if you had to describe that what would you say Ooh, that's a tough one. Um I think I've always been very interested in systems and systems and people. And so those two come together in a very exciting and powerful way in politics because 
there's so many complex aspects to the political system, both how people get elected, how they govern, how you know effects are measured, and how you know different initiatives are pursued. There's so many different ways that these things come together. And then also, this has a real profound impact on people's lives. Hmm. And it's there's a meaning to this or a meaningfulness that you that is hard to get in other professions, or at least for me. Yeah, no, that that's helpful. And the reason I asked you that is that sometimes just hearing someone else's thought process in terms of why they decided to make certain career choices is just helpful for someone else to know. And then it helps them process their own thinking. Uh, another, and another question for you is that, you said that, you know, in the beginning, you were just interested in politics, you decided to volunteer for various campaigns on the side. So how do you volunteer for a campaign? So it's actually the best way to start to get to know the campaign world is by volunteering. And what's fascinating is campaigns are probably the, the closest to a true meritocracy that you can get, because they're so under resourced. But if someone just shows up and is competent and keeps showing up, they will be given an unbelievable amount of responsibility very quickly so, because they, you know, they need to. They have such scarce resources that if someone is capable, they're going to use them to their capacity. Yeah. I, yeah. So it's almost like a mini internship, right? You just go there and you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so fun, too. It's so great. And, and it's, it's addicting. Once people start doing it, they just don't stop. I have friends now, you know, many people that I worked with at BCG or people that I was in college with who started uh, volunteering on campaigns like for a week or two here and there. And now almost every year, they'll take a week off and go join a campaign somewhere because it's, it's so high paced and fun. And the people you meet are the greatest people in the world, hands down. All right. So this sounds very exciting. So we are going to talk about what is campaign management, but just very quickly, let's say I want to volunteer today. Can I go yeah. somewhere? So there's many different types of campaigns. Um, there's, you know, there's um, the ones that most people have heard of are the really high profile races, like the presidential race. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, presidential race or congressional races. So those are the, the federal elections where people are running for federal office. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a ton of local races. And these are the ones that people have usually not heard of. Just because, you know, it's hard for these local races to get their names out there. Mm. You know, they're just, they don't, they don't seem as sexy and their budget is nothing compared to a presidential race. So most people just don't hear of them. But those are the, those are the offices that are actually super important. People don't realize that most of the laws that govern um, their daily lives, most of those come from the states, not from the federal government. Right. And so I know I'm kind of, uh, this wasn't exactly your question, but my point is, uh, if you're looking to volunteer, consider volunteering on smaller local campaigns because you're going to have a bigger impact at first and you're also going to be given more responsibility at first. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And the federal race, of course, is not happening uh, sort of every year. Right. Yeah, you know. So, uh, right. but then is but there, how to do it? Yeah, is, more like, exactly. Like, is there a <laughs> website? Is there a... Uh, yeah, so, so there's a couple things. Um there's a couple ways to do it. There's, there's organizations that often interact with campaigns. So let's say you are in uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. There, there will be a democratic party of, or there, there'll be a democratic like club of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And you'll often, if you go to those, they'll often host candidates will come and speak about their race and why people should volunteer for them or, or vote for them or donate to them. And so that's a good way of just seeing candidates and if there's one that you like, 
you can go up to them afterwards or go up to their chief of staff or campaign manager and say, Hey, I'd love to get involved. You know, how can I, how can I help? And that's, that's often a good way to do it. Or honestly, again, like these places are so desperate for people to come help that you can often just sign up on their website and they'll reach out to you. So how do I find that? Like, do do I just search for volunteer for, I don't even know what I would be. That's a great question. So it, so each year there's different types of elections going on mm-hmm. and it, it does vary by state, but usually during the even years, like 2016, 2018, 2020, you have federal elections. So U.S. Congress, like you'll have people running for the Senate, you'll have um, every four years you'll have someone running for president. During the odd years, like 2017, you usually have municipal elections. I so see. You, like the different cities are going to have elections for mayor, for city council person for city aldermen. Um, and those ones, there's some, there's a great site called Ballotopedia. It's like Wikipedia, but with a ballot in front. So Ballotopedia. Okay. Um, and if you go to ballotopedia.org, you know, you can just search, like if I search, um, you know, San Francisco municipal, basically just saying, what are the elections happening in the city? It pops up with, um, you know, municipal elections in San Francisco, California, uh, 2015 here gotcha. and we can see what's happening in 2017 basically like ballotopedia is a great place to do I it see. i see um, this is super helpful you, yeah yeah and you could also you know a lot of times if you just google where you are and put in elections you can each county has a or each state has a secretary of state that will have a listing of elections happening that year uh, and often the, the city will have a department of elections as well that'll have a list. Mm-hmm. And then once you know the, the offices that are up for election, you Google that and then the names of candidates will come up. I see. And you can start looking through their website, seeing if you like them, see if they have events coming up that um, you can go to and hear them. And it's a good way of getting a feel for them. Um, and often, usually people know someone who's involved in politics or, you know, someone from college or, mm-hmm. you know, from home or whatever. Mm-hmm. It helps to just reach out to them and say, hey, I'm thinking about getting involved. Do you have any ideas? Right. And they'll often, like, be able to put you in touch with somebody. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, I think, Malcolm, to set things in context, so, I mean, in your answer right now, you sort of briefly touched upon the how there are so many different kind of elections, both at the state level and at the federal level. Maybe you can just briefly put some structure around that, that, you know, what are the various levels that, you know, people are getting elected to? And then I'm guessing that there's a campaign happening at each of those levels, right? And so you could sort of become a campaign manager for any of them. Yeah. So this is something that I'm still wrapping my head around because mm-hmm. America's elections are, are crazy. Like they're, <laughs> they're very complicated and there's a lot of different things going on. And there's a lot of offices that people don't realize that are actually elected. Like 90% of state judges actually run for election. I see. Okay. Which is strange. Like the idea that a judge would, would <laughs> yeah. run for election yeah, I know. is, yeah, it's not something that happens in most countries. It's just a very American thing. Hmm. Um, like federal judges are appointed, right. but state judges run for election. Um, so that's an example of, you know, a very important position that people don't know is elected. So, yeah. So in terms of the structure, there's the federal um, uh, races and, and a quick disclaimer, I will probably butcher some of this or get it wrong, but this is as I currently understand it. There's the federal offices like U.S. Congress. Um, so basically the U.S. Senate or the U.S. House of Representatives. So those are the people running for Senate or for, you know, House of Reps. Yeah. Um, and then there's the presidential. 
So those are the big major federal races. And those are the ones that get the most attention and they, that have the most money behind them. But then at the state level, you have the state legislature. So you have state senators and state representatives. So in each state, you're going to have about 50 state senators. And then you have about anywhere from 40 to 400 state representatives, depending on the state. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And each of those, you know, these are super important races, again, that people don't often get to pay a ton of attention to. Like you Mm. can win a state, you know, Senate race with sometimes like 40,000 or 50,000 votes, um, which is nothing. Yeah. Like in a country of, you know, or in a state where you have 10 million people, like Pennsylvania, you know, you can become a state senator with maybe 80,000 votes and, and have a huge impact on the state laws. I didn't even realize that a lot of people are voting for these elections. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. When, you, when you go to the, um, when you're filling out your ballot, when you go to vote, they have what they call top of ticket races are the ones that are literally at the top of the ballot, mm-hmm. like the most kind of high profile ones. Mm-hmm. So during a presidential year, the president will be the top of ticket. During a non-presidential midterm election, like that's coming up in 2018, you will have maybe a senator will be like the highest office that's up, like a U.S. senator or, a, you know, it's usually a, usually a senator, sometimes a, a congressperson right. um, will be at the top of the ticket or, or it'll be a high, the highest like state race. So for us in Georgia, where my, my race is, um, the current race I'm working on, the top of the ticket will be the governor race. So people will be coming out, mostly will be coming out to vote for governor. Hmm. uh, And then there'll be anywhere from like 10 to 15 offices below that, that they'll they'll also be voting on. And this is where it's tricky because most people, you know, they'll have heard of the governor candidate and they may have an idea of who they want to vote for. But as they go down that ticket, they probably haven't heard of most of the other people running. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so a lot of people just won't fill it out. And so you'll just like, they'll just leave it blank. And so sometimes, and this is where we get into like campaigns themselves. It's very difficult to get your name out there and to get like, it's hard enough to get people to have even heard of your name, let alone like assign some feeling to you, like Mm -hmm. decide whether they like you or not. Like the dream would be that people know about you and they like what you stand for. That's the dream. It is so, so difficult to do that. Because yeah. and that's the whole point of a campaign is to mm-hmm. find out how to do that as effectively as possible. So these these ten fifteen levels that you described that run below mm-hmm. the the top of the ticket person uh, are are these people aligned with any one of the parties or are they they don't need to be? That's a great question. So they can either be partisan or nonpartisan. Partisan means yes, they have they have one of the parties assigned to them, mm-hmm. and and then other races they have no party. So the race that um, for Michael that we finished in San Antonio in Texas, those were nonpartisan races. So there's no like R or D next to anybody's name. Right, right. Because I'm guessing that's how people are voting. For the most part, if they're if they're not aware of you know who these people are, they're just voting for whichever party. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So in and they call that straight ticket voting, where you just go straight down the ticket, kind of straight right. party. Right. Um, and. W- that actually in some ways makes it easier for people because if it's nonpartisan and they've never heard of the person and, you know, there's maybe two options for each one, they just will leave it blank. Right. But if it is partisan and they know which party more aligns with their beliefs, then they'll just often go all the way down and vote completely with their party. Right. 
But I guess as a campaign manager, the really things get interesting when it's a nonpartisan candidate because that's oh, what, yeah. yeah. Oh, anything can happen in nonpartisan. Yeah. I mean, when it's partisan, the parties generally tend, not always, but they tend to, there's some quality control at least. You know, a Democratic Party or a Republican Party is not going to want a candidate running, you know, under the auspices of their party if they're, you know, a really flawed or, or bad candidate. Okay, let's and not so talk about that. Usually there's right now, some but... level. Yeah, Yeah. usually it depends. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Now let's talk about campaign management. So in in that context, what is the job of a campaign manager? So what's interesting is all of these levels, um, and I guess I I missed one. Well, basically, yeah, there's there's state reps, state senate, and then there's county commissioners, then there's, uh, you know, statewide commissioners, so that's the state level. And then there's the municipal level where you have a mayor and then you have council members and then you've got boards and commissions at the, you know, at the city municipal level as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so at all of those levels, federal, state, municipal, uh, there's not always campaign managers. Okay. Because, you know, it's all of these races are deeply based on resources. And if you don't have... You know, if, if you don't have a big enough budget, it just doesn't make sense to have a full-time campaign manager. Most of these races, like the vast majority, yeah. will like the lower level ones, will not have a campaign manager. So just a quick question. Generally for, and I'm sure the sky is the limit as far as budget is concerned, but what, what constitutes, what kind of budgets do these mayors run on, uh, which makes them unable to get a campaign manager? So... That's a great question. So it all depends on, it kind of all depends on the number of votes, really. It, well, it also depends on the specific race because some, uh, you know, like if you're the mayor or if you're running for mayor of a small, um, let's say you're running for mayor of South Bend, Indiana. So that was the first place I worked. I, I worked for Pete Buttigieg, mm-hmm. who's the mayor of South Bend. And he's fantastic. He's this rising star in the Democratic Party, but he was the youngest mayor in the country at the time. Mm. But anyway, so when he ran, um, the races there are not quite as contested as some other cities. I mean, they're still very competitive, but there's only 100,000 people in the whole city. So you don't have to get into the multi-millions um, for, for a race like that. Okay. But a city like Atlanta or even San Antonio, Texas, you're going to be spending, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars on a mayoral race. I see. So, um, but both of those actually, so most mayors, if, if there's, you know, if I'd say most mayors do have, um, campaign managers, it's more like someone running for, um, a statewide office, like insurance commissioner or agricultural commissioner, Mm -hmm. or maybe if they're running for county commissioner, uh, or sometimes some of the smaller uh, state um, state rep races, those are the kinds of statewide or, or state races where they wouldn't have a campaign person or a campaign manager. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. But what they will do is they'll often have a consultant, a campaign, like a political consultant, who will help guide them, but, you know, the, the consultant will come from a firm or... Um, uh, or just be kind of like a have their own consulting shop, I see. Uh, and they I see. provide advice as needed. I see. So at the lower levels, you may not even have a campaign manager. What happens at the at the higher levels? Okay, so 
once you're getting into budgets of more than 30 or 40,000, and this is just very rough. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it does depend on the race. Um, it also, it, a lot of this depends on the strategy of the race. If the whole strategy is you are just going to raise as much money as possible and then, um, you know, put ads on the radio or on TV, you may not need a campaign manager because a campaign manager is mostly kind of an air traffic controller. It's their job to coordinate everything and make sure all the elements of a campaign are working well together. Mm. Um, but if you, if, if you know that what you're going to do is raise money and then spend it on ads, you may only need like a media consultant that's going to help you, you know, refine your message and then produce the ad and then put it out there. You're not going to need someone to, to, you know, do a lot of other coordination and management. Yeah, so so describe the job a little bit more. Uh, what what is the job of a campaign manager? You said it's it's similar to an yeah. air traffic controller, but elaborate on that. Well, let's. I think that it might be most helpful to think about it in terms of uh, the goal. So the goal is you want to win the election, and how do you win an election? You get more votes, and so how do you get votes? So if we break down how you get someone to come out and vote for you. Um, and I, I say that like that because it's very difficult to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, first someone has to know about you mm-hmm. and then actually has to believe that you're the right person and then actually go out and to the ballot box and vote for you. And each of those three steps, the first is called name ID. So you want to raise your name ID. The second is persuasion. So you want someone to know about you and then believe that you're the right candidate. And then it's called GOTV, which stands for Get Out the Vote. Okay. And so that means actually getting people to go vote. Because you can have everyone in a whole city, let's say you're running for mayor, and everyone thinks that you're the right candidate. If they don't go out and vote, you don't win. So you need all of these three things. Right. They need to know who right. you are, right. what you stand for, and then – or who you are that you know, you're going to be their candidate and that they have to go out and vote for you. Hmm. So the different ways you get these votes is you have to – if you okay, what I'm going to try and just because I also come from tech and startups, you know, I'm going to try and <laughs> phrase this in in kind of a um, business way. <laughs> um, if you think about a campaign, it's very much like a startup, and so you need to. I mean, it's it's actually really close to a startup. You have to first kind of develop the product, or I, you know, once you've done your market research and all that. Um, you want to develop the product and the product here is the candidate. You need to figure out the messaging that the candidate is going to use, the platform that they're going to run on, the policies that they're going to discuss and what they're going to be for and against. You need to figure out what people want mm-hmm. in a product. Mm-hmm. And you also need to balance that with the candidate. Like, you know, you, you have to do things that are genuine to the candidate that they really believe in, you know, the things that align with their beliefs. So you have to kind of find that balance. What are people looking for and what does the candidate offer? So, so first uh, quick, you develop the product. Quick, quick clarification. So you were describing, you know, how basically the, the purpose of the campaign is to go and win, or the goal of the campaign is to go and win. So would you say that as the campaign manager, that's your goal also, that you have to do whatever it takes to win? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So that's the goal that you're driving towards. You have those three things that you described that first you have to get people to come out and vote and then all of that. So the first thing you said that you would work on as the campaign manager is the product and make sure that you have the right messaging and all of that. Could you, could you share an example of what that might look like? Absolutely. 
So let's say you have someone who's lived in a city for the last five or six years and, you know, maybe they're involved in business or, you know, different community organizations and they think, you know what, I think I could, I could make a big difference in this city. I could really help um, in, in some way. I want to run for office. Hmm. And you say, okay, well, you know, they may, the candidate might know a lot about certain parts of the city and different issues, but not about others. Like people don't, aren't just, you know, the people don't just have a kind of omniscient view of a city and know all the things that people care about. <laughs> yeah. You really have to go out and, and research. Um, so the first thing you're doing when you're considering running is you start talking to different influential people in the community and to just different folks who live there, normal members of the community, and ask them what they care about. You know, find out what issues matter to them find out how things are going for them. You know, you talk to small business owners, you talk to, you know, different nonprofits, you mm -hmm. talk to everyone up and down, you know, the socioeconomic level, and you just get a sense of what really matters to people. It's almost like you're doing user research. It's exactly like user research. Yeah. And you're, you're literally doing focus groups sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like you, it, it's weird, but you actually are. Um, and a lot of times you'll see, you know, when, whenever people see campaign ads, they're always talking about jobs. Mm -hmm. And it may seem strange that every campaign always talks about jobs. It's because that's what people care about most. Right. And that's, you know, what's on the, that's what on, that's what always is, is high up in people's, in, in their minds. Right. Um, so most campaigns will, will run on the economy or good jobs or things like that. Cause it really matters to people. It has a huge impact on their lives. Right. So you develop the product. You basically want to figure out what is your message? What's your platform? Why are you running? And so that's a mix of both what people care about and you, the candidate. Hmm. Like why, you know, what are you going to make a priority of your campaign? And also why are you the right person for the job? So you develop that product. And then you need to start identifying the market. And here's where it gets really interesting is you are, you, when, you're, it's, when you're selling a product, let's say you're selling a candy bar, you know that there's going to be a certain percentage of the population that is, you know, a potential market for you. You're never going to go for 100% of the population. Mm -hmm. Like, you know that it's going to be, you know, maybe boys and girls between the ages of 8 and 12 in these markets, mm -hmm. you know, are, are your most likely targets, the ones that you're going to get the biggest return on your marketing investment. Right. So it's the same with voters. Like, if you're, if you're, in a, if you're running for mayor... There's some people that have never voted for mayor. They've lived there their whole lives, but they've never gone out for a municipal election. Mm -hmm. Maybe they vote for president in when they're up, but they don't vote in local municipal elections. So if you know that someone's not done it for 10 years or 20 years, why would they start now? Right. So instead, yeah. your job is to first prioritize the people who you know are going to go out and vote. And a lot of people don't realize this, but it's actually public record whether or not you vote. Oh, I see. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Where do you get all of this data? But I'm yeah, it's available. So, okay. so it's public. Like everyone can see everyone else in the country which elections they voted in. They can't tell who they voted for, but they can tell which elections they voted in. Oh, very interesting. Okay, I see. So you, so just, as the yeah. campaign manager, can just start sort of analyzing all of this data to get to figure out who your target market is. Exactly, and it's very like very data focused. And so, so what are, are you do, analyzing in a, in an Excel spreadsheet? Like, how, what are you using to analyze? Oh all yeah, this? 
Okay. Oh, absolutely. Okay. You should, I had the most crazy models for, for this uh, San Antonio race. And you have, I mean, you're factoring in everything because you're factoring in, okay, so what are the types of demographics that vote? And usually it's um, older people. Hmm. So people over the age of 60, you know, 60 or 70, I, I think I remember people over the age of 65 made up more than half of the oh, wow. electorate. I see. Yeah. I see. Um, like, or not the electorate, the, the likely voters. Hmm. And so this is why often you'll see people talking a lot about kind of um, more issues that pertain more to older demographics. Like they talk a lot about social security and... Um, right, that's the know, market. <laughs> yeah. And they do it because the voters that are going to come out are often older folks who want to make sure that they're going to be taken care of. Hmm. And so they want to make sure their social security is going to be there. Hmm. Young people do not vote. It's terrible. Like... People below the age of 25, you know, we're talking, you know, less than 20% in some areas, less than 15%. Yeah. They just, they just don't vote. Yeah. yeah. And this is, what's interesting is it's a problem we're going to have to face because as those older voters start to, you know, some of them get older and stop voting or, or die, like as this, as the, as the millennials get older and they're not voting, it's going to shape our democracy in some, some strange ways. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. But anyway, so so yeah, you have to figure out who's going to go out and do that, and that's highly analytical, hmm. uh, and very, very much like you know, again, market research for a product. So now you have your market in place. So you figured out your product. You figured out your messaging. You figured out who your target market is. Uh, what comes next? Exactly. So now you have to develop pretty much your marketing strategy. Like, how are you going to contact? How are you going to reach these voters? I see. Yeah. And this is where it gets interesting. Well, I mean, the whole thing's interesting, but this is where it gets very tricky. Yeah. Uh, you're now competing for headspace. And when you're competing for headspace, and anyone who's listening to the podcast, if anyone's you know worked in any sort of, of you know marketing or advertising, it is so difficult and expensive to get someone's attention, mm. even for a tiny bit of time. Because if you think about it, we, you know, if you're going for a voter's attention, that voter is also a consumer for soda. So Coca-Cola is now competing with you or you're now competing with Coca-Cola yeah. for their attention. Right. And Coca-Cola has a lot more money than you do. So yeah, right. now this is where it gets tricky and difficult because you need to figure out how to get into people's attention span long enough that they know who you are. Remember that name ID thing. Hmm. And then persuasion you know, convince them that you're the one to vote for and then convince them to go out and vote. So, so now you need to figure out how to do that. So and generally, are you using advertising? I'm, I'm guessing for these kind of things, you might be doing things other than just sort of TV ads, right? Exactly. And so this is now, there's four different ways to do this, mm. four main ways. Mm. There is, this is what it's called on campaigns. Now we're getting getting into the lingo. Right. There's, there's field. Okay paid media, earned media, political, and we could even throw in mail, direct mail. Mm, okay. So if we go into each of those, first, uh, first direct mail, because it's the simplest. Direct mail is literally just you mail people little flyers about yourself. And what's really powerful about this form of uh, voter contact or voter or just kind of paid advertising is 
you can target someone all the way to their house. So you know that you're getting, you know, with TV, you've got no idea whether or not you're hitting, yeah. you know, that list of voters you're going after. Yeah. But with direct mail, you know you are. How do you get access to people's addresses? It's also public record. Really? Okay. Oh, my yeah. God. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So okay. if you've registered to vote, your address is public record. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. So you're sending flyers. Got it. And are you the one then then quick question, like as the campaign manager, is your job basically to figure out that, okay, you know, it seems that given our target market, it seems that direct mail would be a powerful way of uh, sort of getting this person's name out there. And then someone else is designing the flyers and figuring out what goes on there. Or are you also getting into the weeds and designing the flyer itself? Great question. It depends on the size of the race. The smaller the race, the more likely you're just going to do everything. I see. But for that particular thing, like if you're getting into design, like I, I enjoy design. So I, I actually, you know, helped with some of the design on our campaign. But for something like direct mail, if you're going to send that out to, you know, 20,000 people, mm-hmm. it's worth investing, you know, a thousand bucks in design. Right. Um, so there's actually direct mail firms. There's a lot of them that specialize in this, not only in finding out who you should contact, um, but also what message, and then they actually will design it and mail it for you. All right. So direct mail is one of the one of the methods, and then you listed four others. Yeah. And then you've got uh, paid media. So paid media is where you're literally just paying for media, mm-hmm. whether it's digital ads on Facebook or you know pre-roll on YouTube or all those kind of digital ads. Uh, or TV advertisements or radio. Mm-hmm. I see. And I guess you're also then working with some kind of a media agency to create those ads, right? Right. Again, like again, similar. Yeah. We'll come back to this, but the bigger the campaign, the more it turns into a business. Mm-hmm. Like right now on the campaign I'm working on, I'm doing you know vendor evaluations right now. Right, right. And so I'm actually talking to 12 different vendors who are all, you know, do different things. And there's a, you know, an evaluation matrix and we're actually evaluating them on cost and experience and, you know, their, their culture fit and, you know, exactly like you would at a big company. And actually one quick question, as the campaign manager, you're not involved in the fundraising part, right? Like you're given a budget to work with. Sort of. We can, we can jump into that in, in, uh, next because that's super important. Um, fundraising is everything. Uh, and you'll see why in a second. Yeah. Um, but paid media, the next is earned media. Earned media means media coverage. So that means some like a reporter writes about you. And for, for the presidential races, that's no problem to get to get people to write about you. Mm-hmm. But for local races, people just don't care that much. And so reporters aren't gonna be writing about, you know, someone who's running for city council in San Antonio. It's very difficult for us to get into the, you know, the the regional newspaper. Okay. So so you try and you try and find things. You try and create newsworthy events. So let's say you know some big event happens. You want to make sure that you're there talking to reporters so you can get a comment in, or you send a press release and you stage a big you know protest or an event like something that is I worth see. covering. And and then you try and you know get reporters to come and and talk about you. So I then guess, that's a, again, if people are reading about you in the newspaper, you're boosting your name ID and potentially persuading them to vote for you. So then you as the campaign manager, you are sort of thinking about, okay, what are these events that we can create, I guess, and then exactly. ha- have my candidate show up there? 
Yeah. And again, if, if it's a small campaign, yes, I would be doing that. On a bigger campaign, you'll have a communications team. Right. Okay. And they are actually largely in charge of uh, media, both paid and earned. Okay. Okay. Got it. And then this, and then you said field and political. Yeah. So field is really interesting. And, and field is, field is super, super important. What field means is that's direct voter contact. That's you're either meeting someone face to face or you're calling them, you know, and uh, it's basically a live person talks to another live person. And there's a couple different ways to do this. In our race in San Antonio, you know, it's all about figuring out what is going to get you those votes. It's kind of like, what's the game here? How, how does one win a race like this? And a city council race in San Antonio, the way you win it is you get, you knock on the most doors and you talk to the most people face to face. And the more that it's the candidate, the better. And that's just how you win. Oh, so you are literally going door to door and thousands. And yeah. are you doing so you said that obviously if the if it's the candidate himself or herself going that has the most impact uh yeah. so what is your role in that so the two things that the campaign manager is or their main job their main job is resource allocation so it's ha- and the two main resources you have the two most precious resources are your money and the candidate's time mm. So how you how you spend those two have all the impact on whether you'll win a race or not. And so my job, if it's again a small race, the smaller the race, just if it's a small race, then I will be doing almost all of this, hmm. and we'll try and get volunteers where we can. But if it's a bigger race, you'll have full teams that deal with this. So in a small race, you know everyone's got to pitch in. So I think I personally knocked about two thousand doors over wow. the last six months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the candidate knocked like five. <laughs> and then we had incredible volunteers that went out and knocked the other 10,000 doors. This is this is interesting training, though, because it's almost like sales training, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. sales. It is. It's door to door sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And we got so on our last campaign in San Antonio, we got super lucky. I actually it was funny. So I, I emailed all of the professors in the area to try and recruit some student volunteers like seriously, 80 different professors. And I said, if you have any students, send them our way because we would love to get them involved. Mm. And one of the professors sent an email to their cousin uh, who happened to be uh, Liz. And Liz was this volunteer who ended up, um, (laughs) we got together to talk about getting her involved. She went from being a volunteer to the head of our field program within about two hours. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Okay. All right. Oh, she was just the most like qualified and capable person. And I basically went from saying, you know, could you help us with this to, Hey, would you consider running this for us? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And All then, right. and then she went from running field to being the deputy campaign manager and her house became our campaign headquarters. <laughs> oh, interesting. yeah. So I, I guess this is sort of alluding to what you described earlier, that it's literally like a startup. That you're very resource constrained. So if someone oh, qualified yeah. comes along, there's, you know, they can just do lots and the responsibility can keep on increasing. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Liz was just so good at so many different things and was so capable that I just kept saying, you know, please take this on and then yeah. this and then this. And then we actually built the team so Liz built this machine where we had 80 volunteers down there, which is unheard of. And of those 80, we had maybe 20 or 30 
that were regular, like would come on a very regular basis to knock on doors for us, to call voters, to go to events for us and like hand things out. It was incredible. We had just a well-oiled machine. Um, yeah. and, and that's, and that's what you're doing. You're trying to build a movement in an area. Yeah. And then what is the, um, the last me, the last sort of uh, media, not media, but the way to market, I guess. The last way to get out. Yeah. yeah. So the last way to get your message out. Um, and this is, um, not directly, this is one of the main parts of a campaign, but it's not directly voter contact. This is political. Mm. So this sounds strange. Um, there's different names for things on campaigns that don't make a ton of sense. For example, they call fundraising, they call finance. So that's the finance arm. <laughs> yeah. It's not really finance. It's yeah. just mostly fundraising. Yeah. Uh, and so political, what political is, is getting local influencers and politicians to support you. Hmm. So if you think about a community, there's a number of people that, you know, everyone knows, or a lot of people know, maybe it's, maybe it's the local congressperson, maybe it's the local hairdresser, you know, it's just someone that a lot of people know and look to for kind of advice. Um, I see. Uh, I see. And so you want to reach out to those people and, and get them on board with your campaign. And then when you do, they'll, they may talk you up to their friends or supporters. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a minister at a church and they're willing to kind of tell their congregation about you or, you know, invite you to, a, you know, a cookout so you can meet their folks. Um, so that's a very important part of campaigns is to reach out to other politicians or community people and get them on board and get their right. endorsement of you. Can you share an example of how you would do something? How would you, how you would get someone like this on board? Yeah. So a lot of these people are used to being engaged in the political process. They kind of expect this. So if you're going to run for a uh, county or let's say you're going to run for, um, uh, Congress or a state rep in an area, you need to go talk to the different groups that people identify with. So let's say uh, unions. So let's say there's a lot of, you know, maybe car manufacturing in your area, and there may be thousands of people who are part of the union. So you go meet with the head of the union and say, tell me about your guys' priorities. Like, what do your union workers, what do they want? What do they care about? What you know, what positions do you think I should have? So you kind of get their input on, on what's important to them and their people. Hmm, I see. I see. Now, and I'm then, just, well, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just wondering that, you know, I'm guessing, so for, like, like you took the, took the example of, a, let's say, you know, there's a hairdresser maybe, but, you know, everyone really loves that hairdresser and they're looking to him or her for what their opinion is. Uh, and I'm sure they're getting solicited by multiple candidates then, right? If if there is someone like that, they'll get multiple solicitations. So why would they pick one over the other? Like what can, is there an interesting example you can share things that- That's you, a great point. Yeah. So let's say you've got two Democratic candidates who are, and this is interesting because it usually does break down like by party because mm. there's certain groups that just identify more with one party. Like unions are, are generally Democratic. Um, yeah. democratic institutions, right. um, just traditionally. Mm -hmm. So if you have two candidates who go to them, the way that they'll do it is they'll often create, um, an endorsement process where they will give a questionnaire to both candidates and say, you know, here are the issues that matter to us. What are your positions on A, B, C, D, and E? 
So they first get a sense of what your positions are and whether those align with their interests. And then they'll bring you in for an interview. And then they'll, they'll bring you both in separately for an interview. And then they'll usually have um, a vote either with a political committee you know, maybe like five people from the union are part of the political committee and they'll vote. And then they provide recommendations to the overall body, like the union, and then they'll vote together. So basically the organization will usually have, um, yeah, an endorsement process where they provide a recommendation and then the organization votes on whether, on which person to endorse. I see. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So I guess this this is your, this is your marketing strategy piece, right? So you were describing the job and this was all about how you're figuring out, okay, I need to get my candidate's name out there and I need to persuade people to vote for my candidate. And and I guess after that, the voting happens. Like what, what, what is the next step for you? So there's, that's a good question. So <laughs> there's, this is, this is where the, the campaign manager kind of becomes an air traffic controller at the beginning of the race you're basically laying out what the plan is and you work with consultants, you work with local influencers, you work with a candidate and you figure out what is our theory of the race? Hmm. What do we think that we need to do to win? What people do we need to reach out to? What message do they need to hear? And how are we going to get that message to them? And a lot of that you actually decide up front, and you do change and adjust over time. But most of that, you've got a pretty fair idea based on historical data, what you need to do. So once you've laid out that plan, then it's the campaign manager's job to start pulling in the right people to to the company, basically, to hire the right people and bring on the right vendors and consultants, and then to build up capacity by bringing on volunteers, you know, recruiting volunteers and interns, and kind of build the machinery that you're going to need to execute on the plan. And there's a schedule that underlines all of this, because early on, you know, no one's paying attention. Like right now I'm working on a race that is in November, 2018 is when the election is. Hmm. So it's a full year away. Hmm. So right now we're not talking to any voters because no one's going to remember us a year from now. And so that wouldn't be a good use of time or resources. So right now the, the part of the plan that we're working on is all about building up the team with like developing our product, the candidate and the message and fundraising. And this is, this is where this is super important. Fundraising is is super important, but I also don't want to go too much down a rabbit hole because I know we're talking about yeah. jobs here. So, so, but I guess the Uber point is that uh, depending on the campaign, you might be as a campaign manager, you might be involved at the earlier fundraising stage also. So, sort of. So, if you you're you you manage the candidate one of your main jobs is to actually manage the candidate's time and decide where they should go, where, what's the best use of their time. And so I'm involved in fundraising in the sense that I'm going to block off big chunks of the campaign's calendar so that the candidate can go call people and ask for money. I see. Okay. So you are, you are sort of saying, okay, this is how important fundraising is. And so this much time needs to go towards fundraising. Exactly. Okay. And so I might be involved, if we're going to set up a fundraising event, I might help with the logistics of the event. Okay, got it. And if we, like, usually campaigns will have a finance director or finance consultant that does most of this, and I'll work closely with them to make sure all the different departments on the campaign are working together to achieve our goal of raising a lot of money. Gotcha, gotcha. So actually, I have a silly question. Have you seen House of Cards? 
Oh, you love it. Absolutely love it. (laughs) So then tell me who in House of Cards was uh, Frank's campaign manager? Um, Ooh, when he was running, wasn't it... Oh, I don't remember now. The the reason I ask... Doug is his chief of staff. Yeah, Doug is the chief of staff. The only reason I ask is that I think it'll be... If we identify that character, it might put a face to this whole thing that, oh, okay, you know, that's the person who is the campaign manager. Just because I think it might be a relatively new area for a lot of people. Right, right. Well, how about this? Okay, so do you remember Mark Usher in the last season? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was the sort Love of... this guy. The really quiet guy <laughs> yes, who's yeah. just really good I at remember. this. I remember, yeah. So do you remember the, the Republican uh, who was running Will yeah. Conway? yeah. So he was originally his campaign manager. Okay, okay, got it. And he was sort of making sure that, okay, the right people were supporting him. And then I know he went over right. to Frank's side. Okay, so he's, right. the, he's an example of a campaign manager. Oh, my God. <laughs> Malcolm, <Yeah>. that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. So I guess, you I know. It doesn't, it doesn't get that dark and crazy there are times where it gets a little crazy but that's i mean house of cards is not realistic yeah i I know but i think that just helps sort of put a like oh okay you know that's that's the sort of job we're talking about but less darker i hope (laughs) anyway yeah actually but you know share can you share like you know a story like something which um you know, maybe something that you that you did that you're particularly proud of or something that you did which I don't know, maybe you didn't like as much. Um, let me think. So I think one of the things I was most proud of on the last race is the team that we built was fantastic. Like absolutely wonderful, both hardworking and effective, but they also cared a lot about, I mean, this is their city. San Antonio was there, you know, where they were born and raised or where they had decided to put down roots, where their families, they were, you know, building their families. And we got, I remember that we had, you know, members of the community that decided to volunteer and then got super involved. We had younger people who were kind of starting their careers and were, were working for us. We had, you know, a field organizer that was just great. Um, and a lot of those people ended up growing into neighborhood leaders themselves through this process. Because if you think about it, if you're out and you're knocking on doors, you're getting to know your neighbors, you're getting to know what they care about. And then you're meeting influencers who, you know, are part of businesses or organizations. And you start to kind of become someone who knows about the issues of an area and what people care about and what they need. And you often become a leader through that process. Right. And we had some wonderful volunteers who ended up, you know, becoming leaders that others will now go to for advice or for input or if there's issues in an area. And that that was so um, rewarding for me to see that our campaign was actually leading to more leaders. You know, some of these people are going to run for office in the future. Like these might be the next people who run for city council or for school board or for things like that. Yeah, no. And that was, that was pretty wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So actually that's a good point that uh, I'm guessing that for the duration of the campaign, depending on the size of the campaign, the job of a campaign manager is like a full-time job, right? Yeah. 
So it's not like you're doing it on the side. You, you, if it's a small race and, you know, a friend of yours is running and it's, you know, maybe a school board race, hmm. uh, potentially you could, but usually it's, it's pretty full time. Right. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So then what happens once the campaign ends? So like the, uh, you just shared that the race that you're currently working on is the actual election will happen in November 2018 next year. Mm-hmm. So you'll work on, until then. And then after that, are you just sort of, I mean, the campaign <laughs> is done, the right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on what the person, it depends on each person. So for example, Liz, who is our uh, deputy campaign manager, you know, wanted to go into actual administration, like in the city. So she wanted to work for the city of San Antonio to kind of help improve you know, people's lives in San Antonio. So that's her end goal, or it was at least for this campaign. So now she's down there working for the city. So she actually jumped on with another, um, someone who won uh, down there, a fantastic candidate, um, another rising star, actually. I think she's going to be great. Her name is Anna Sandoval. But she... So Liz is now working for um, Councilwoman Sandoval. Okay. So because that's what Liz wanted to do. Okay. For me, I wanted to go do another campaign. So that meant that I could either stay in Texas or go to another state or you know maybe even go to a different country. Um, so I chose to go to Georgia, where I'm working for this incredible woman okay. who's running for public service commissioner. So, so it really depends what you want to do. If you want to stay in campaigns, you can do that. If you want to go into government, you could do that. Or a lot of the skills you learn on campaigns are very transferable to business and vice versa. So some people go into business. Like there's, um, um, it's actually really, well, I don't want another digression, but there's another cool story about a, um, a woman who worked on Obama's race in 2008 and then uh, ended up starting this fantastic solar company that's won a bunch of awards. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was based actually partly on on her experience of working on campaigns. Gotcha. So I, I guess it's it's pretty much like a you're doing a job for a sh- in the short term, I guess, and then you can figure out what you want to do next based on your interests. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, and another question for you, and feel free to share as much as you want to, but I guess campaign managers are paid, right? Yep. Okay. And then how much do they get paid? Yeah. So campaign managers, it's, it's a young person's game often hmm. because it's incredibly exciting and fast paced and you learn a lot and you meet a lot of great people, but you don't get paid a ton. That being said, once you kind of rise up through the ranks, you can actually be paid quite a lot. Um, like I know people who are paid maybe um, sometimes upwards of 10K a month for this, which is, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 K if they're doing a big statewide race. Um, so you can actually, you know, make a good deal of money Yeah, or you can actually go into campaign consulting. Remember those political consultants we talked about? Um, and then you could be on maybe five or six races at a time and get a retainer from each of them and make, you know, a couple hundred grand a year. Oh, very cool. So you could actually do multiple, I mean, as a consultant, you could be consulting for multiple campaigns and beef up your salary that way. Okay. Exactly. I see. But yeah, at at my level, usually if you're running a, um, like the, the rule of thumb is about 5,000 per month. For? If you're, that's the rate that the DCCC, the Democratic, um, 
So the DCCC is the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, hmm. and they're the kind of the official campaign arm of the Democrats in the House of Representatives. Hmm. So they often kind of set the rates for pay across the country. Um, so the DCCC basically helps people running for Congress for, for Democrats. I see, I see. And they will often send staff members to beef up a campaign, like to actually work for them um, for you know a certain number of months in a campaign. Got it. And they normally pay about five thousand a month for someone who is maybe a, like a regional field director or a or maybe a field director, um, but it's it's right around that. So it's usually you know. At, at a statewide level, it could be anywhere from five to eight k a month, and then usually there's a, a win bonus of some kind. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That was so. That was going to be my next question. That you know, how is yeah. the success of a, you know, of a campaign manager assessed? That's a great question. So it's kind of like in the business world. It's it's tricky because let's say you're the CEO of a company that's losing money mm. or let's say you're brought into a company that's losing money, mm. but then you reduce the amount that they're losing money by. It's still a company that loses money, <laughs> right. but you've done a great job in, you know, bringing down costs or, right. you know, boosting revenues like you've been a success um, because you beat, you know, expectations or you beat, you know, what was kind of expected. So that's the same in a campaign. So a lot of times. It's actually a lot of the race is already decided before it begins. And that sounds strange to say, but remember that initial win number, like the analysis of the voters that you need to win? Right. Like if you run as a Democrat statewide in Texas, the odds are very much against you still. Right, right. And it's just like if you run, yeah, for U.S. Senate in Texas, there's just currently you know, more than 52, 53% Republicans who vote reliably. Right. So unless, you know, you get some of them to switch to Democrat or you get more Democrats to go out and vote or, you know, a demographic shift happens where more Democrats move to Texas, hmm. you know, you're just not likely to win. Hmm. Hmm. And this is very tough. And it's, it's difficult for people to understand this who aren't in politics. And for me as well, at the beginning, it's like, why would you do it at all? Yeah, I know. And there's a couple. Yeah, it's, there's a couple of reasons you would. One is um, most politicians will lose their first race because no one has heard of them. Remember that right. name ID thing? Right. Right. No one's heard of them at all. Right. And so if they if they run, what they end up doing, even if they lose, is they boost their name ID. And so now more people have heard of them for when they run next time, and they're much more likely to win their next race. I see. I see. So, so just Obama to get their name Obama lost his first race, but then when he ran again, people had heard of him and it made it a lot easier for him to win. Got it. Got it. Okay. So then you as the campaign manager, I guess it's more about, okay, you know, we sort of know what the outcome is going to be. We sort of know what the circumstances we're operating in. Let's just try and make the most of what we have. Right. It's kind of like what's expected of you. And then you're evaluated as a campaign manager on how much you beat or miss those expectations. So, so for example, like in, in Georgia, yeah. you know, there's a, a well-run statewide race might get you to 48%. And uh, like maybe not a great race would get you to 42%. So if you can get to 48% or if you can get over 48% and maybe even over 50%, then the campaign's been run very well. 
Right. Okay. That, that yeah, that's a very good point. That's a, so basically, it's about we know where things are going to land, and now by by how much do you beat the expectations, like you said? Right. And often, you know, uh, the best campaign managers are the ones who can set a plan. You know, work with the candidate and the advisors to set a plan, surround themselves with good people, and then stick to the plan. Yeah, so the actually, I wanted to ask you that these team members that you're recruiting, is mm-hmm. this through your personal network? Like, how are you finding these people? So it depends. You know, if you are, you can either have someone as an advisor. So, for example, we've got a finance consultant who's based in DC, mm-hmm. but then, you know, we've got finance uh, or deputy finance directors who are in person in Georgia. Um, and you know, at, at lower levels, you can bring on people who may be new to this, who are talented and who've got potential, but who haven't done it much before. For example, we actually, so in my personal network, we just brought on a friend of mine from Notre Dame from college Hmm. who's in Georgia right now. And I told her that I was working on a campaign and she said she was interested and then a position opened up and she was perfect for it. So there are some times where it's personal network. But then other times, you know, if you want to go out and get, you know, the best comms person you can, you might, you know, ask around um, or, or maybe your advisors or consultants might know people that they've worked with in the past who are good, you know. Okay. So it's a mix. A mix. Right, right, right. All right. So then in your opinion, what do you think are the most interesting aspects of this job? And I'm asking this question from the point of view of, you know, let's say you were to tell someone that, uh, you know what, this is why this job is so great and you should think about doing it. Um, what, what would those couple of things be? This is probably one of the most exciting and fast-paced careers you can find. It's so interesting and it touches so many different parts of society and business and daily life. It's, it's absolutely life-changing. Campaigns are addicting. And if you think about it from a skill set point of view, you have to draw on so many different skill sets here. Like in a given week, I'll be doing, you know, analysis. I'll be doing some sort of sales, you know, trying to convince people to support the candidate. Mm-hmm. We'll be doing strategy development. We'll be doing, you know, uh, personnel management, um, actually holding like check-ins with team members and setting like goals and, you know, KPIs. You know, there's, there's the whole range of things you'll do. And so campaign management is great for people who are interested in a lot of different aspects of business in a way right? like you know anything from you know marketing to design to sales to strategy to product development user insights like all of that is in a campaign yeah it it it, it actually is it's, I, and in a very short period of time right so in that one year or two year time frame you are launch pretty much launching a product and seeing whether it's successful in the market yeah, or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, think about the Obama campaign raised a billion dollars and spent it all, raised it and spent it in a three-year period. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, like, if you think about it, they had thousands of employees. So they actually had HR. You know, they had, they had, their, own, they, they had their own employee uh, store. Like I, I was at the headquarters for for a month at the end of the 2012 campaign, and a friend of mine was actually running the um, the merchandise shop. Like they had their own. Oh wow! Store. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it's a full fledged business. Yeah. Um, but it's a different type of business because you're successful in terms of the, you know, the operational side. If you've spent every last dollar by the time the campaign is over. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like I think if you're very entrepreneurial, this is the kind of thing which you would really enjoy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I had I was working in startups uh, and I started something actually that I worked on for a year before this. And campaigns are incredibly similar to startups. Mm-hmm. Very fast paced. You have to be scrappy and resourceful. Um, and it's it's constant. While you do set a plan and stick to it, you also have to stay flexible and respond to things as they happen. And this, it's, it, it is, it is something that gets people up every day excited to go to work. And that is the best type of career. Can you give us an idea about how intense it is? Like, are you, <laughs> are you working like nonstop? How does it? Oh yeah. yeah. It becomes your life in a, in a good way. Well, in a good and bad way. So after campaigns, usually people will kind of detox for a couple months. Yeah. And just, you know, do nothing or, you know, work at a pretty easygoing place. Uh, Because campaigns, because they're also value driven, like you're surrounded by people who deeply care about Mm -hmm. the issues of the race and care Mm -hmm. about the candidate and care about the voters. And so it's hard to treat it as kind of a nine to five. And it's, it's a certain type of person that is very um, kind of value driven or uh, it, it's, it's not, it's hard to treat it like a normal career. Yeah. So, um, so it is, it is very intense. So, I mean, it is, it, it is perfectly normal for you to be emailing at like 11 AM, uh, sorry, 11 PM. Or yeah. <laughs> Hopefully 11 AM. <laughs> um, yes and no. So one of the important things I should bring up is if you're interested in campaign management, you should start by just working somewhere on a campaign. Mm-hmm. You don't jump straight into the management. You normally spend some time in working, you know, in field or working in policy and research or finance, like you spend some time in one of the functions, getting to know that area and getting to know the campaign structure and function as a whole. And then you move into campaign management. So I, I had kind of volunteered in a number of different capacities over the years before going straight into campaign management. So when you're in those roles, they're not quite as intense. Hmm. It's still intense. And especially right before the election, it gets more and more, it just kind of ramps up because uh, it's the culmination of maybe a year of work. Right. And so everyone is supercharged at the very end. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not too intense. Like if you're a field organizer, like someone within the field team, you're not going to be answering emails at 11 p.m. Okay. At least probably not. <laughs> probably. Uh, are there any aspects of this job that you do not like? The job does... if. So if you want to be kind of a career campaign manager or professional campaign manager, Mm. you kind of have to go where the campaigns are, which means you move a lot. Oh, I see. Okay. That makes sense. And so if you're, yeah, I mean, I've in the last, you know, eight months, I've lived in Texas and now I'm in Philadelphia. I'm about to move to Georgia. You know, it just means that you're going to be bouncing around a lot. And I guess some people might like it. I don't know. I think I would like it. but uh, Yeah, I do actually like yeah. it. <laughs> but some people may yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, Okay. And how transferable is the skill? Like, can you can you now manage campaigns? So I guess it depends a little bit on the political structure also. But can you become a campaign manager for a candidate, let's say, in Australia, if you wanted to? Yeah. a lot. Of, I actually just had a call with some people in Hungary 
who are oh, trying. Wow. There's okay. there's some young folks trying to launch a new political party, and someone put them in touch with me. Oh, so, very cool. Yeah, they they wanted to know all about the tactics that we use and and how all that works, and so we we skyped last week. That is very cool. But I I think that that's a very very interesting point. That once you and you've only you've only run what one campaign, and you're in the middle of your second one. Right, right. I have been on three other campaigns before this. Okay. Uh, but again, that was only for like a couple of weeks or a month or so at a time. So is, um, how come they, like, I campaign managers just like a rare breed that if, you know, uh, how did, how, why did these guys reach out to you? How did they, how did they find you? Yeah, that was my question as well. <laughs> no, and I don't want to say that you're not, I'm sure you're, you're a great campaign no, manager. No, no, I, I said, guys, you can do better than me. Come on. Um, <laughs> but, but they, uh. They were specifically asking about things that I think that I had dealt with a little bit. Okay. Um, they, I, someone actually from the Obama and Hillary campaigns put them in touch with me. I see. Um, and said like, you know, talk to Malcolm. Okay. Uh, he knows a little bit about this. But yeah, I mean, there are definitely better people that they could talk to. But I don't, I don't know how many of them no, are willing no, no. to hop on the phone and talk okay. for an hour. That, that is, <laughs> that was not at all what I was trying to say. <laughs> no, no, it's true though. What I was, I what I was, such an option. <laughs> my, the intent of my question was that maybe, maybe there are just few campaign managers overall, uh, and so if 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 someone has done it a couple of times, then automatically they become someone who other like uh, people, anyone who's running for office might reach out to like oh. let, let's take the example of um i don't know like they're more engineers i'm guessing than they are campaign managers right because right. it pays a lot better <laughs> <laughs> yeah what, yeah whatever the reason being uh so that that was the only reason why i asked yeah no there's there's definitely um it, it's funny because because of how itinerant it is and how much you are you know both moving and it's it's difficult uh to maintain this lifestyle. Yeah. And so there's not a ton of people, I think, who do this professionally. Yeah, exactly. And, and they usually kind of age out of it mm-hmm. or they go work at a firm. Like once they want to put down roots and start a family, you can't keep bouncing around. So, you know, it's it's kind of a young person's game. Yeah. Um, that being said, some people stay in it forever and, you know, move up the ranks and they run, start running huge campaigns across the country. But a lot of them go and become kind of consultants or advisors. Um, or sometimes they join the administration, you know, once they've once they've won a race, because they're often very good at managing an office because they've been doing it. So sometimes yeah. they go kind of in house and and join the candidate once they win. Right. And sometimes they go to business. A lot of people go to business. There's a ton actually who went to Silicon Valley after the Obama campaign. Like a lot of people don't know this, but Optimizely uh, was started by uh, Obama alums based on the learnings from the campaign. Oh really? Oh nice. Okay, yeah, their office is right here in SF. Yeah, and they they were they basically took the the you know AB testing email team with them and started a company. And then uh, when I was on the 2012 campaign, Eric Schmidt from Google was like sitting three desks away from me for the last week, and you know I didn't know what he was doing there. And then at the end of the campaign, you know the news came out that he had started a company or helped start like Civis or whichever one it was. Oh, right. Um, with the people from the analytics team. Oh, very interesting. Okay, yeah, this does sound like a, a like the kind of thing that a lot of people who are into startups would be interested in. Can you share an example of a stressful situation that you might have faced? So uh, most of the campaign is <laughs> some level of stressful. Hmm. Um, 
there's so much that needs to happen in such short amount of time. And there's, there's things that happen. So like, let's talk about what happens in terms of your competitor or the atmospherics of a race. So let's say you're running, uh, well, let's say you're running for office in Houston and suddenly, you know, Hurricane Harvey hits. Right, right. What are you going to do? You know, like if you had a plan, you didn't really plan for this. Hmm. So now you have to figure out, okay, do we suspend our campaign and just go help people, hmm. you know, and keep a low profile? Hmm. Or do we start holding, you know, events where people can, you know, bring uh, donations and we bring them to people? Do we start talking about issues like homeowner insurance? Because I guarantee the the issues that candidates are talking about, it's now going to be all about, you know, flood relief and, and that kind of thing, because that's what's on people's minds. Oh, right. So right. now you have to right. rapidly change the entire messaging of your campaign and your schedule and everything else. Um, and that's an extreme example. But smaller stuff happens all the time. Like maybe there's... Um, you know, a, a murder that happens or like a couple murders and suddenly that's on people's minds. Mm. You need to figure out very quickly what your position is. You know, is this something where, you know, you're going to push for more police, you're going to push for more neighborhood programs, you're going to talk about the need for better education. You know, you need to respond very quickly to things that happen during the race. And then there's things like um, attacks, like the other candidate will come at you with different things. And, and this happened to us. I mean, on the last race, you know, the, the candidate that we were running against started putting out all sorts of kind of misleading information about our candidate. Um, and I mean, they'll obviously argue that, that we did the same thing. Like yeah. this is yeah. like standard yeah. campaign fighting back and forth. Yeah. Uh, but we had to figure out how we were going to respond. Um, yeah, this is, and, and yeah. No, I'm just saying that it's almost like you as the campaign manager, you have to have a constant pulse of the people, right? That you know exactly yes. what's on top of people's minds at all times and you're responding yeah. appropriately. Yep. And so, for example, there's little stuff like today's Labor Day. Yeah. So do we, you know, does my candidate put out an email, you know, you know, right. talking about Labor Day, talking yeah. about what it means, uh, like, you know, Labor Day came from unions. Like Labor Day is actually celebrating labor, which celebrates unions. So should we send an email about unions today? Or you know, does that not make sense? Because we're running for the public service commission and people don't want to hear about what we think about unions. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's things like that. Yeah. And um, then, so it's constantly figuring out how we should best be getting in contact with voters, spending our resources and, and managing the candidates time. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so to me, it almost sounds like a, it's akin to a marketing job, but, but much more than a marketing job for sure. But w would you say marketing is probably one of the core functions? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, marketing is convincing people that they want your product. Yeah. And that's what an election is. Yeah. Yeah. And so true. a lot of, yeah, I mean, the whole game sometimes is being able to raise enough money to put on TV ads right before the election. And then people see a bunch of ads about you and they're like, huh, I like the look of that person. Yeah. I'm going to vote for them. Yeah. And then you win. Yeah. I mean, Sometimes that's it. Like some campaigns, they have no staff and all they do, raise a ton of money, make that commercial and that's it. And it's just a marketing thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> But uh -huh. on other campaigns, if you're going to have a field campaign and you're going to have volunteers knocking on doors, think about the infrastructure that needs to be in place to, to hit your goal of maybe, you know, 50,000 door knocks. No, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you're talking about volunteer recruitment. You're talking about like onboarding and training and then ongoing volunteer engagement, making them, you know, and so now you've got, um, you're scheduling training sessions and then you're writing onboarding documents and you're, you know, putting together, you know, volunteer of the week things to keep people engaged. And, mm. you know, it, it spirals into a huge complex organization pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything now that you've done it? Uh, do you think that there are any common misconceptions that people hold about what a campaign manager does? <laughs> I think most people don't know that campaign managers exist. Yeah, they probably don't know. <laughs> so there's a misconception. They do exist. Um, well, actually, most people don't even know about the down-ballot races, let alone their campaign managers. Right, right. So I would say the most important thing, especially for you know an audience of a podcast like this, a bunch of smart people who want to go out and do things, please, please get involved in your local elections. Whether it's, you know, find a good candidate and, and support them by giving them money or volunteering or run yourself. More and more people are, are running now. You would be amazed at how unqualified most people who run for office are. Mm. Like the people who are in our state governments, some of them are crazy. Some of them are wonderful and are really good public servants. Others are nuts and they're making <laughs> really important decisions and they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Like it's terrifying. These people have impact over, you know, budgets of, of billions of dollars and sometimes, and they're just completely inept hmm. and they have no idea what they're doing, but they're the only people who are willing to get out there and run. So we need smart, good people who've never even thought about politics to actually start thinking about whether they could do something like county commissioner or maybe county treasurer or, you know, county clerk, like stuff that doesn't seem sexy, but is super important. Um, like run for school board. Like there's positions you can have that aren't full time, but make a big difference. Hmm. Um, and above, above all, you have to go vote. For like sure. that That's people the will win these races with yeah. a couple thousand votes. Okay. And so if you've got one person who's got a bunch of money and is out there knocking on doors, doesn't matter if they're completely unqualified and are going to be terrible at the job, they're going to win. And once they're in there, people will know their name and they're going to vote for them the next time. And then they'll stay in for decades. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scary. It's uh, scary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I just have a few more questions from the point of view of someone who who listens to your podcast and say, wow, I want to become a campaign manager. So uh, <laughs> can you share, you know, uh, couple of qualities that you would find in someone who would really enjoy being a campaign manager and really excel at it? So in terms of qualities that someone should have uh, or that I would look for in, in someone thinking of being a campaign manager, you have to thrive in a fast-paced environment, one. Two, you need to be scrappy and resourceful. Three, you have to be people-focused. And again, on, on super big campaigns, maybe you don't have to be. You can just work in analytics and, you know, you don't need this. But in general, campaigns are all about people, whether it's yeah. the voters, whether it's the influencers or whether it's your teammates. It is imperative that you like people yeah. um, and you want to kind of help others. Uh, the next is value driven. Like you want to care about this um, and you don't, you know, it's not something like you have to be fanatical about it, but you want to. And most people are like this. They want to make a positive difference in the world. And campaigns are a fantastic way of doing it. Um, so that's four. 
five. Um, you don't have to have five, <laughs> but like I guess some kind of a some kind of like someone who understands people's psychology, but that's sort sort of probably included in your people point. But then, I I think one of the things that you're probably doing on a regular basis is prioritizing things, right? Like, uh, this is. Absolutely. Yeah, so you're you're making very quick decisions on how to allocate resources, and which must must be happening on the basis of some kind of. Like, I'm guessing you're going by gut, right? That I this doesn't feel like like the Labor Day example that you gave, right? Everything you you can't have data for everything. Right, that's a great point. You do develop kind of an intuition, hmm. and a lot of times, like you you have a natural intuition, and that's why a lot of people will do well at the beginning of campaigns, but you'll also develop it over time. Right. Um, like I'm still, I'm still just starting my campaign career here and I'm, I'm learning a ton from people who've done it before and who are willing to help. Right. And is there something like a typical background for this role? Oh no, it's all over the place. Yeah. Can't, you know, people's stories from politics are all over the place. It's great. It's something that is, again, it's, it's like a meritocracy. If you show up, and you keep on showing up and you keep on being effective, you know, you're going to rise very quickly in this. So that means people from all sorts of different backgrounds will get involved here. That's So good. there's not yeah. really a typical path. Yeah, that's great. But so, and you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you could, like someone who's interested could go to something like the ballotopedia.org or uh, some, some of these other websites and find out what elections, what races are going on right now. Um, but in terms of the actual application, let's say I go to a candidate that I'm interested in helping. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I, what do I say? And do I, and if I haven't done this before, I guess I should have volunteered in the past. So maybe I've, you know, already built up certain, at least familiarity with the entire thing, but am I submitting my resume? What am I doing? Yeah. So, it, it, it will, <laughs> if it's a volunteer position, it will be one of the easiest job interviews that you ever have. <laughs> it's it's kind of like you show up and they're like, you look like you're great. You look capable. You can talk. You're done. You're in. <laughs> great. We'll take you. It, I mean, seriously, they're so resource constrained that, you know, anything is, is helpful. Yeah. So, however, you know, to, to answer more seriously, yes, you would bring your resume you would um, so it helps to have an understanding of the main elements of a campaign team, because then you can kind of see how your skill set might fit in. And so those again would be field, political, finance, communications, or research and policy. Mm-hmm. And then on bigger campaigns, you know, you might have um, something like analytics um, or things like that. On bigger campaigns, the bigger the campaign is, the more it's going to be like a, a company. And so if you've worked at a company, you kind of know where you might fit in well. Um, but yeah, smaller smaller campaigns, yeah, definitely field, political finance, comms, and maybe some research. Right. Um, the main thing, so this is when you sign up to volunteer on a campaign, they're going to put you where they most need you. And that is always, for the most part, going to be in field. Mm-hmm. So you're probably going to be out knocking on doors or calling voters. Mm-hmm. And that's that's tough. That's a grind. And that is it's kind of like the where you get tested and see if you can kind of if you can take it and whether you're a team player. So if you what you what you would do if you if you want to get involved, you look up candidates, you find a couple or you know one or two that look 
like you're really interested in what they stand for and you know what they're what they're up to um you get in you can just email them and say hey i'm interested in volunteering or you go to their website and i'm sure there's a volunteer sign up form um and you can email them or when you get in touch with them say hey here's my resume here's my background you know i think i could be helpful here but i'm willing to do whatever okay. that's the best thing to do okay. you're basically saying i could help you on policy but i know you probably need me you know, in field, I'm willing to do whatever. I just want to help out and I want to learn. Got it. And they'll say, great. <laughs> and then they start folding you into the, the campaign where they need you. And the trick with campaigns, you just show up and you keep showing up. And if you do that rapidly, you're going to be given more responsibility. So uh, even if I just send an email or if I'm applying online on their sort of the, the website form, I will get a response. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. they need you, especially I would, if you really want to kind of go to the next level, you know, sign up online and, but then send them an email and say, here's my background. I'd love to either talk with you about things I could do on the race or here are some suggestions of things I could do. You know, uh, for example, let's say you had a background in, you know, urban planning or something and you could say, Hey, you know, here's my background. I'd love to help if the race ever has questions or wants to develop policy positions around urban planning. I'd love to help out with that. And I'm happy to put together policy positions for the candidate. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or something like that. Or, or you could say, Hey, I have a background in analytics. If there's anything, you know, that you need on that front or, you know, or, you know, I've done social media management, um, for companies, you know, is there any, do you need any help with your Instagram? I noticed you didn't have one up, you know, would you like someone to handle that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, something like that. Uh, this sounds very similar to how you would approach a startup, right? They, Absolutely. So resource constrained, <laughs> they don't know, they don't, they themselves don't know what all they don't have. So you come in and say, Hey, I've done this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And a lot of times, again, with startups, if you think of it from their point of view, you're an untested, right. you know, entity, like they don't know about you. And so there's a lot of risk. Yeah. taking someone on yeah. because it, it could be a time suck for them. Yeah. Like if someone is not, yeah, it's a, no, you right. just don't know. Like you're if right. someone, if I hopped on the phone with someone and talked for an hour about the campaign yeah. and then they showed up once and then never again, right. that wouldn't be a good use of the campaign's resources. Right. Like my time wouldn't have been well spent there. Yeah. So what you really want is someone who's just going to show up and prove themselves and just keep showing up. And then, I mean, this was the case with Liz, for example, she just, kept showing up and being, you know, fantastic. And so she ended up, you know, helping me run the whole campaign. Can you describe if I, if I'm working as a campaign manager, what are the three to four skills that I develop on the job? So th there's leadership, I guess, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, depends on the size, but you're going to develop, um, management experience, mm -hmm. um, strategic planning. You're going to develop a lot of operational ability kind of you're managing a company i mean it's like the candidates the chairperson but you're the ceo right so you're going to be getting operational experience um you're going to be i'd say you're going to get a lot of marketing experience the whole the whole range of marketing experience like yeah. you're doing um like, like let's include product development and marketing there mm -hmm. where you're you're talking about how to craft messages that are clear and concise and resonate with people so you'll get a lot of experience around product development, placement, or product development and um, branding and messaging. Um, yeah, and kind of the, the analytics uh, around that. Yeah, yeah. 
No, that's fair. Yeah, just just so that you know, people are like, yeah, you know, I I develop these very concrete skills if I go in for this. Okay. Oh yeah, people love campaign managers because they have such a broad skill set, but they're also able to function. They're able to develop plans and execute on them, and you know that's what every business wants. Right. Are there any resources that you would want to recommend? So you you already told us about ballotopedia.org. Um, just googling your location and election should also bring up things. <laughs> Other than that, anything else? So, I would say that campaigns are still very relationship driven, or politics in general. Uh, and this is important for people who like Silicon Valley, you know, come from a Silicon Valley mentality. Mm-hmm. There's no way to really hack this. I mean, there are, you know, tech gadgets or, you know, various apps and platforms that have made things easier, but nothing compared to the value of just relationships and face-to-face interactions and just, you know, pounding the pavement. Like old school politics still runs everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so because it's so relationship driven, start getting into the community, like figure out when the local young Democrats meet. Well, I don't want to assume everyone's a Democrat just because <laughs> yeah. I'm a Democrat. Um, yeah. If you're a Republican, just feel free not to get involved. Yeah. Just kidding. No, we need more good people on both sides. Like seriously, the more reasonable people we have, the better the whole country runs. So please get involved. Um, but yeah, you, you should, uh, Get involved in the, the local Democratic Party meetings. You can very quickly, people in this world will point you to where you need to go. So they'll say, oh, you're interested in this. You should go to this meeting. You're interested in that. You should talk to this person. Um, and they'll, people are wonderful in this in the political world. Like they're very interested in, in helping out, getting you involved and, you know, kind of mentoring, that kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah, the they- last thing is there's something called... There's a bunch of things online, and there's actually a lot of trainings. After the 2016 election, some fantastic new um, kind of groups popped up. One of them's called Run for Something, okay. and it helps people run for local office. Oh, okay. So that's, I think it's runforsomething.net. A friend of mine, um, Amanda, started that, and she worked for Hillary beforehand and then started this group, and it's been fantastic. And so there's groups like that out there. There's Indivisible is a great group, a grass a grassroots kind of action group. Um, uh, there's a bunch of stuff. Once you start Googling and kind of finding, uh, just looking around, you'll start seeing a lot of a lot of groups, both online and in your area. It's good to just start getting involved that way. Yeah. And they're great people. Sometimes they're <laughs> sometimes they're a little nuts, but in like the best way. Yeah, no, this is this is absolutely wonderful. I didn't realize there are so many resources. And you're right. I think after the 2016 election, there's just been a little bit of, hey, you know, we need to do something. Uh, so new things have popped up to just bring more people into this into the political scene. Um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, do you just one last question? We're nearing the end now. Um, do you need to be a U.S. citizen to be involved? No. Um, to be a volunteer? No. Hmm. Um, uh, to be a campaign manager, I don't think you have to be a citizen. Okay, I see. I'm pretty sure you don't. I see. Um, for you to run for something, obviously, you know yeah. there are there are requirements there. But for being a campaign staff member, no. No. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Malcolm. This was really, really wonderful. <laughs> I I learned so much just talking to you right now. Is there any other advice you'd like to share with anyone who's who's listening to the podcast and is potentially interested in entering the political scene? My advice would be this. 
if you're someone who wants to have an impact, get involved in local government. It's nothing like what you see in terms of at the national political stage with the presidential candidates and the parties fighting each other. It's not like that. And it's not anywhere near that at local levels. And we need good people in local government because it makes such a huge difference. And there's ways of doing it and keeping your day job. And you can volunteer on campaigns or just contribute. Like some of these races, their whole budget is $15,000. You know, so if you give them 150 bucks, like you've, that's a, that's a ton. If you give them 15 bucks, you know, it makes a big difference. Um, so give to campaigns, volunteer and consider running yourself. Okay. All right. Thank you, Malcolm. And have a good rest of the day. Thanks. It was great to chat. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Just before you leave, do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website, learneducatediscover.com, where we share updates on new episodes, a lot of career-oriented resources, and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online. So do check it out at learneducatediscover.com. You'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website. Of course, if you have any questions at all, or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, Bye-bye.